Welcome, everyone, to the TZR Podcast, episode 44. I'm your host, Justin Skirbo, and today I'm joined by Alex Schock. Back from PAX. And Shane Weaver. Aloha. So you guys were the only two of the crew that could get together with enough energy to join me on this post-PAX podcast. And I'm just at that. I'm just at that point. Yeah. Any less, I would have been unreserved. Yeah. If, yeah. It, if at any point <laughs> during the, if at any point during the podcast you hear just like silence, one of us fell asleep. <laughs> we um, were all there. We were all at uh, Pax West. Yeah, man. Pax was awesome this year. Like this may have been one of my. Eh, I want to say my favorite Pax thus far. Um, this was it Shane's was really crazy. Yeah, this was Shane's first uh, first Pax's press. Was it a Absolutely. fun experience for you? <laughs> oh, dude, beyond! It's so cool to just get in there. Holy crap! Yeah, man, we had to go. How was your? Oh, sorry. Here, no, no, go ahead. I, I was going to ask how your first experience is like, or maybe you've done this before. I don't know, but your uh, first experience is like media. Like it's a different feel than just being there as like a fan. Yeah, it totally is. Uh, just kind of, I don't know. I I remember um, being. Uh, it just public i would go home every day and make a list of like oh i gotta get in line and play all these games this time it's like you know we got this we got the appointments already made so i'm not yeah i'm not doing that kind of thing anymore yeah. it's a different experience it's a much different switch like even when i used to go to conventions just normally i felt like there was a lot more downtime whether it was like waiting in line for stuff or just like kind of aimlessly wandering around but like this year, I don't think any of us had a free half an hour, like, at all, throughout all, you know, four days to just do what we wanted. It was kind of like, you know, back-to-back appointments, which is, like, sort of a double-edged sword. Because on the one hand, right. it's, like, uh, it's super stressful because you're, like, running back and forth trying to hit stuff on time and feeling like you might be missing out on something else or what have you. Um, but then on the other hand, it's like, it's great because you'll see a game that you really want to play and you'll be like, oh, well, you know, I should wait because like, it's not worth me waiting in line right now because I might, I have an appointment with them like later today or tomorrow or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think your ability to just play so much more is awesome. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was quite a trip. We got an Airbnb this time, so that was super cool. Um, Mm -hmm. Lots of parties, lots of drinking, lots <laughs> yeah. of socializing. That's met a lot, sure. of, met a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. Lots of devs and shout outs to our friends at the Escapist and Imagos yep. and uh, Gamer Assault Weekly, and uh, we had such a good time with all of you guys. It's uh, it's always like it's kind of awesome that we're at the stage now where when we go to these conventions, it's like we have these whole separate like friend circles that we only get to sort of see at these conventions. Um, Mm -hmm. but it's like no time has passed. You know what I mean? Like the last time I saw like, you know, Liz, Josh and Janelle was like, you know, almost a year ago. And the second we get back, it's like, oh, hey, (laughs) we're all here. We're just hanging out. You know, it's great. Uh, I know. It's like, I I always forget that those guys are there. And, uh, you know, I like, I was just waiting at the, uh, the star mazer booth with Justin, uh, chow. And, uh, I turned to my right and I'm like, that guy's looking at me. I'm like, holy shit, I know that guy. Yeah. And we, we just picked it up just from, you know, just like it was uh, when I met him at RTX. Yeah, man. Like, it's it was crazy. It's a very cool, weird experience to kind of like, we're like creating our own little like families just within the and, gaming subculture. It's and awesome. I, I totally give him a call out, but I forget. <laughs> shit, I forget where he's. I, his name is Josh. Uh, another Josh. Yeah. But uh, I'll find it and I'll, I'll get I'll get him. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, man. So it was just awesome. Uh, we have plenty of to, uh, to talk about today. I definitely want to run through everyone's sort of highlights from PAX. And then uh, we are yeah. actually just coming off the heels of the New York City PlayStation 4 meeting thingy. Uh, where we heard about some new uh, some new tech that's on its way yeah, out. A couple new things, a couple new small things, you know. Uh, I, I only ask that we reserve our opinions until we get to that, uh, I agree. Yes. that point in the podcast. But as far as PAX, you know, uh, I definitely have my list of favorites, like stuff that I am so, so excited for. But I, I want to hear from you guys first. Like what, uh, like Shane, what would you say are, you know, some games that you have to mention that you definitely want people to know about that you played? Um. I didn't even play it. It was I'm stealing it from you because uh, I know you'd mention it anyway, but it doesn't matter. Um, I was just thoroughly impressed with it after you showed me, and that was Battleship Brigade. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that yes, looks just so cool. I love every single thing about it, from the concept to the actual execution of the gameplay. What it's trying to accomplish is just awesome yeah i love that it was certainly at least in my opinion the most novel game of the entire show um it like there's no other game like it and i think that's so cool just to give everybody a quick background um battleship brigade is a kickstarter title that is now being published by adult swim games um and it's basically very heavily anime inspired and it's like the perfect cross between a like old school beat-em-up and a puzzle style cooking game um it's kind of fantastic <laughs> um, <laughs> aside so, from that though i mean uh geez uh i had a hilarious uh time with the american dream a vr uh parody of i guess 50s america yeah so, um, so talk about that demo a little bit because i think just like hearing what it is is freaking amazing <laughs> <laughs> it pers- it pretty much puts you on a little rail cart and takes you for a tour of the future and how we will all benefit from carrying guns on us at every second of the day and using it as our primary tool of, you know, prospering through everyday life. Uh, (laughs) Even from infancy, uh, where the game starts, which is just, it's it's too funny. (laughs) Yeah, like... um... I got it. That was actually the last thing that I played before we left PAX, and oh my god, it's so funny! Like on this little rail rail cart, like you're, uh, it's with Oculus and Oculus Touch, so you have these two little, uh, you know, the little handheld things, and when you look down, you just have two pistols in your hands, like constantly, um, and you're just like shooting everything around you. And when your ammo runs out, did you like the reload thing? I think the reload. I love the reload thing. As soon as you run out of ammo. Uh, a button lights up on the side of your seat on your rail cart. You smack it with your gun, and a, uh, cl- uh, or I should say, a magazine jettisons out of the seat and goes into slow motion, so you can slide it right into the right into the uh, handgun and just keep firing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, it, it's so cool! It, like it that feels, awesome. it feels amazing. So like, it oh, does. Man. But yeah, d- describe some of the tasks that they have you complete because it's just like I was dying during this thing. It's so funny. I mean, the first thing they had you do was uh, knock on the door with your bullets to get mom's attention to tell her you're hungry, uh, to which she would come and feed baby you. Um, and then it would fast <laughs> forward to the future uh, uh, to where you're driving to work. 
uh, with guns in hand, just sticking them into the steering wheel and just like kind of pivoting the, the driving wheel. Wait, tell them about how they how you how they made you eat. Oh God! Well, <laughs> <laughs> there was two t- uh, uh, instances in which you got to gouge your face. First time was with mom, and uh, she puts a little fork with her. No, I'm sorry. She pulls out a gun and places <laughs> the gun and and sticks it into her baby's face. Um, and so at first I was just like, what do I do? I was like shooting the food, trying to grab it with my with my guns. And then I kind of made the distinct realization I had to push my head forward into the food <laughs> to feed myself. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then uh, the second instance is when you get to the drive through on your way to work. And uh, after shooting at the items in which you would like to purchase from there, uh, and it all gets get put into your car on a tray, uh, you just like pick it up with your two hand guns and just stuff it in your face. But, you know, like a donut, uh, stick your gun into the donut and just, you know, mount on it. Yeah, I also found it hilarious that the only items on the menu were like cheeseburger, donut, and coffee. <laughs> yeah. Very American. Yeah. <laughs> milkshakes uh, yeah <laughs> oh my gosh um yeah. and then it, it finishes itself off with uh, a little um a day at work essentially uh, a, a day of work at the eagle factory where um bagels uh had you not known before uh are actually created by cooking the entire pastry on its own and then blowing holes in through the center with your gut so <laughs> Oh my gosh. That was, uh, yeah. That was a super fun demo. The driving was a little disorienting. Like, I've never, I never actually thought I would feel like motion sick while playing VR, but like, the driving definitely threw me for a loop. That was the closest I've ever been to VR motion sickness. It didn't get to me to the point where, you know, I was actually feeling any nausea or or, uh, distinct discomfort. But I was sure feeling like that, oh, man, get it, just like that torque of... Yeah, there's, being, there's like, like a very serious disconnect where you're, like, you want, like, like you're supposed to be feeling, like, inertia on your body when you're moving the car. But since you're not, it's, like, this very weird, like, visual brain separation thing. I don't know. It's weird. Very weird. Yeah. So, The American Dream, that was super fun. Uh, definitely enjoyed that. Do you have any other highlights? Uh trying to think uh, i mean i did for sure uh i'm trying to remember uh, a couple of the key ones uh well uh, i mean i got to i'm just trying to think uh, like games i got to try recore was great uh kingdom hearts um the i got to try the demo for the new 0.2 and that was a lot of fun cool. um one that stuck out to me that's very cool was uh masquerada yeah, so tell and, me about this. This is one that I oh, did not I actually get played that a little to play. too. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, so what has me the most enticed um, is its story, or more significantly, like its lore that it sets up, its its entire like setting. Um, essentially, it's placed in this world where uh, this a civilization has dug up and found these ancient artifacts, uh, which they call, I forget what they call them, but they're, they're basically, they're masks. And these masks um, give the user who wears them the ability to use magic, uh, be it you know fire magic, ice magic, what have you. Um, and so these things get distributed throughout the civilization and, uh, and everyone uses them normally, uh, but when you die while wearing one of these masks, they disappear with you. 
like you die and then it disappears. Um, so what happens after about 400 years of this is there's a shortage of masks. Uh, so what happens is the rich and powerful uh, decide to take them all away and harvest them and put them in a vault uh, to you know keep them safe and make it so that we stop depleting uh, all these masks. But this makes a power struggle between the rich getting richer and the poor becoming poorer and weaker. And so a rebellion starts to come out of this, and that's kind of where the game kicks off. Okay. So, so what actually is like the gameplay style? Is it like, uh, like an RPG, like turn-based combat or something? Like, yeah, it's it's an it's an isometric pause for tactics RPG. So, so isometric uh, viewpoint, but plays super similarly to something like Dragon Age, where okay, yeah. Pause the action at some point, and you know, choose where you want to cast your spells. Let them cast, or you could just fight all real time if you like. But you know, it's all from that isometric perspective. So cool, cool. And Alex, you had fun with it too. I did. I knew I had been kind of ushered to the booth by someone else, uh, and uh, the guy had remembered that Shane was there, so I didn't ask too many questions. Just kind of jumped in and played like kind of the first demo esque thing, just to see how I felt. Uh, I was a little, I mean, the, the guys at the booth were so nice. I was a little on the fence about the game. I, I really wanted to kind of get more and see what the story was like. Um, the gameplay itself was solid, um, and it, the game looked okay, uh, but it it would definitely take a little bit more of an in-depth for me to make up my mind on it. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's no uh, uh, graphical benchmark in any in any fashion. Like, presentation-wise, yeah. it, it looks just very average. Uh, and gameplay-wise, uh, I think you hit it on the head with solid because uh, you know there wasn't anything there that that I haven't seen before, really. Right, right. Um, I think what what did it for me was the you know the the lore that, that I got filled in on uh, that kind of just excited me for the project, um, and and a lot of the voice talent behind it. Um, you got uh, you know big names like uh, uh, Matthew Mercer's, uh, I believe, the lead character. Um, you've got uh, Felicia Day is voicing someone in it. Ashley oh. Birch is in there. Um, isn't our friend? And of uh, course, I was going to say, isn't our friend Jacob in there as well? Absolutely, Jacob. Jacob Burgess. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's definitely. I don't know which character he is playing. It'll be a character we play as later in the story, but he's he's in there. So shout outs to Jake. Very cool people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean the narrative for that sounds pretty cool. Uh, definitely worth exploring a little bit. Um, I'm also just curious to see, you know, sort of what that combat looks like. Like, I was a fan of, um, I was a fan of what, like, Dragon Age did, and, you know, I love games like, uh, Transistor and stuff like that, so I have some love for that style of combat, but, um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, more, more Dragon Age than Transistor. Okay. Mm -hmm. I just, I hear, like, isometric turn-based sort of thing. Like, standing still of Transistor, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so, Shane, did you have any others that you wanted to shout out, or? Um, again, I think I, at this point I'd be just listing off a couple of cool other games. Uh, It'll do too, and uh, and Viking Squad. Those are really cool. Viking Squad is cool, yeah. All right, uh, uh, Alex, how about you? What were some of your standout PAX titles? So, I had a little bit of a different experience than you guys uh, since I got there a little bit late, and. Uh, I got there like on Friday around a little past midday and I thought I'd have more time to kind of like, you know, <laughs> like assimilate. Uh, but I jumped right into a meeting. 
uh, with the, the guys over at Jotun. Um, and then it was just like a whirlwind from then on. So I honestly didn't get to just kind of like, uh, I'm sure we've talked about this. Uh, I didn't get to like kind of just walk around and see everything. Like I was bouncing around. I saw, I did see some awesome things, but I didn't do exactly what I wanted to do, which is just, you know, poke around at all the indie booths and uh, talk to the devs and see all the games that I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. But that being said, there were some standout things that I really liked. Um, and one, honestly, uh, the last day I walked around that indie mega booth and this game Astroneer. Oh, um, I don't know that one. I lit- I didn't talk to any of the devs. I had never heard of it before. I just walked past, walked past the booth. Someone was playing it and it was beautiful. Huh. It was just like, it's... So it's described on Steam as a game of aerospace industry and interplanetary ex- exploration. Okay. Which would immediately make you think of No Man's Sky. Yeah. But this is like a little bit more cartoony um, and third person. And it looks like there's a lot more like building vehicles and uh, mining and uh, like digging down into planets and building things. Huh. And uh, it's just a really gorgeous looking game. And I really I know nothing about it. I still know nothing about it. No, but is, it it's like, is it like hyper realistic looking or is it more like, you know, like stylized in a certain way or not? It's very stylized. Um, cool. Like realistically cartoony, if, <laughs> if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, it's just very colorful, um, very good looking game that, uh, I mean, who knows if it's good, uh, but. I heard that, you mention it at the convention. So as I was walking the Megaboot on my last It just stuck out. Day, yeah, I don't. I don't I'll, know. Tell, I'll tell you what happened for me was uh, as I was walking around the, the, the mega booth on the final day there, um, I seen it on the map and I was like, oh, you know, I, I remember Alex kind of mentioning that. And uh, what I seen was um, them doing a little bit of the crafting. I, I literally had a glance, more so yeah. of a glance than you would have had even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. And what it immediately made me think of was... Um, the game that we played all at PAX, uh, Osiris, uh, New, uh, Osiris New Dawn, I believe. Um, <laughs> New Dawn. Which, uh, uh, it was Osiris. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, I was uh, I was immediately like, hmm, I might I might pass this for right now just because I, uh, it's another you know space crafting game. But I won't doubt that if it has this like really cool aesthetic style that. Uh, there's there's more to it than meets the eye. Yeah, I just posted that in our little chat thing. If you guys take a look, but um, yeah, I mean there, I mean Jotun too. I mean that was my first game, uh, and I had looked at their oh, wow. game a little bit before, but um, I really didn't get to get to check out a whole lot. Uh, I mean, I got to give a shout out to like the Star Mazer guys who are awesome, and they have a game on the show floor called Star Mazer uh, DSP. Mm-hmm. which is like a precursor to their actual Star Mazer game. And it's kind of like a shmup shooter that's uh, really it's really awesome. And uh, the real game is coming out probably next year. But that was a lot of fun. That's cool. And uh, and one thing uh, I sorry. recall you got to try, Alex, was uh, the Rick and Morty VR. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, so VR had a huge presence at PAX this year. It that's did. For sure. yeah. That's for and sure. While I didn't get, there was like a huge section for Sony, and I didn't get to jump in there, but I did get to try the Vive for the first time, and I did get to try Rick and Morty. 
uh, which I don't even know the name of it. Is it Rickality or? Yeah, virtual Rickality. There you go. Um, and <laughs> that was that was crazy. Uh, I'd never tried the vibe before, so they they put that thing on me, and uh, I was immediately shoved and poked by my best friends at the Zero Review um, <laughs> while playing the game. Uh, but it was a really cool experience. Like they, uh, I mean, you could just you could just grab everything. I was put into Rick's garage, and he was. And he was like yelling at me and talking to me and joking with me. Um, he actually shot me in the face at one point, which was <laughs> kind of scary. Uh, and I was like throwing Mr. Meeseeks on the floor, like popping that open and like shooting ray guns. And it was just a really cool experience to just get in there and be able to walk around in that environment, which I've never done before in virtual reality. That's cool. Um, I didn't take advantage of it as much as I could have. It was a little weird with everyone there, knowing that everyone was like <laughs> watching me do this, uh, that I didn't really want to you know get real into it well yeah that was like um, during rock band vr how i didn't even realize that you guys were fucking with me while i was yeah playing. <laughs> i know it's a weird thing it's like a i, I don't know yeah. i'll do that all in the comfort of my own home when i know i'm not like being looked at but there you um go. it was it was definitely cool and it was hilarious and i mean obviously it's made by the guy that did uh the guys the team that did rick and morty so yeah, um, yeah and I think it's interesting that you've like is the vibe then your first VR experience? No, I have okay. done uh I did PlayStation VR. Okay. Once yeah. At the last PAX, PAX East. Yeah. Which was I've also tried, awesome. I've tried everything except for the Vibe. Same. Um so it's it's hard to compare, but I it, I, I think it's neat the way the Vibe actually has the like tracking you in three D space with its extra camera. So Yeah, and I Again, I would have taken advantage of that more, but we were in kind of a small space. So it was like, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that you would like inherently be like kind of nervous to walk around because it's like, even though, yeah, those boundaries exist or whatever, like you don't really, like, you can't tell when you're in that space. Like, even yeah, when you I was. Can't- yeah. Yeah. Like, when I was playing the American Dream, like, there's a point where you have to, like, like. W- like swish these things off of a conveyor belt and like i swung my hand and actually punched the tv that was in front of me and i didn't even realize it because it's like you know your whole like spatial awareness is totally thrown off yeah so and what the vibe does is if you like walk towards a wall um the grid will slowly kind of appear in front of your face and it'll tell you that like the there's a wall about a foot and a half from you once you reach it oh i see but i just yeah, I mean, I had I hadn't been able to test those boundaries, you know. So it's like I just couldn't trust it. Yeah. And I didn't want to move around too quick because what if the wall was right there and I just didn't see it or I just didn't feel comfortable maneuvering and with the cord at my feet and the computer equipment and I there were at least there were like six people in that room with me. So it just I didn't feel good yeah. uh, just moving around and of course that if I was by myself, who knows what would have happened. Yeah, it's very it's very uh not claustrophobic what's the word um I don't know. I, I can imagine feeling very like vulnerable in that position. Confined, you know? I guess. I don't yeah, know. yeah. At the beginning, uh, Rick wanted me to do his laundry, <laughs> and he was like holding the laundry basket, and he's like, "I don't know what this guy's doing. The directions are right on the whiteboard. This guy's kind of an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What do, you, what do you think, there, Morty? And uh, yeah, and you look up, and there are instructions right on the whiteboard telling you what to do. And <laughs> uh, and I, I've, I think it's probably part of the game, but I failed so bad that he he killed me. So That's really funny. Uh, so that was awesome. <laughs> and uh, last game I would call out is uh, Hand of Fate 2, which is a... So Hand of Fate 1 
it was free on Xbox at one point, but it's this really interesting mix of like D and D. It's like an action RPG game where you're kind of like moving like a piece around on this kind of a cardboard cardboard. Like you put cards well, down like and a, you move a, through a, it. Yeah, it's like a, a map layout uh, with flipped cards, and then they, like, yeah. you'll, you'll jump on a card and flip it over to see where on the map you kind of traverse to. Right. And uh, so, yeah, and then some of those you get you get rewarded, and some of those bring you into this kind of like Arkham Asylum-esque combat system, uh, and you have to fight these enemies that are kind of randomly generated based on the card that you're that's drawn. And in the first game, the combat was real rough. It was very button mashy and like a little janky. But uh, the rest of the game is so so good um, that I was really looking forward to checking out the second one. And hopefully, they refined all those pieces. And so far, it looks really good. the The graphics have been uh, picked up a, a couple notches, and it looks like the combat has uh, been smoothed out as well. The devs were saying that they used uh, Dark Souls as their inspiration. That's awesome. Oh, cool. And Yen, you were telling me a little bit about the uh, the narrative in this one, like sort of where the story takes off from the yes. previous game, and that was probably the most fascinating part to me. Yeah, uh, so the at the first game, you as the protagonist are sitting down with this dealer who's kind of this magician-type character, and you always sense he's a little bit evil, but you're trying to beat him, and he's kind of cocky and arrogant, but he's sure he will stop you. But by the end of it, there's kind of this kind of magical thing going on but you beat him and he kind of like gets burned and dies away and uh, you become the new dealer you're the new master of these cards so that's the end of the first game second game takes place a hundred years later where the game starts and you see that the dealer the the former dealer has survived he has this kind of nasty scar on his face and he is apprenticing you and training you so that you can defeat the protagonist from the first game who is the new dealer it's and of, it's so awesome like yeah and the entire game a, takes place awesome on setup. a table yeah the entire game takes place in this table uh in the cabin of a carriage so you can kind of see it like rocking in the background and you're actually on your way to uh confront the protagonist from the first game that's awesome so it's uh yeah so I hope that it keeps the same level of difficulty from the first one, and I hope the combat was as fun as my my little experience uh, at PAX, but it's definitely something I'm looking forward to. A little bit of a funny story. Um, Alex, you, you obviously, with your experience with Hands of Fate 1, I'm sure you jumped into Hands of Fate 2, actually very excited to give it a try. Mm -hmm. Um, Where uh, on our final day at PAX, we had an appointment with them, uh, which I jumped in and covered, took thorough notes, played through the session. Uh, I actually, uh, uh, unfortunately, got like a bug and I wasn't able to finish the demo. But um, yeah, after playing through all that, I was like, okay, got this, going to write a story on this. Oh, no. Storbo just goes and tells me like, no, 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 Alex, like, he's already, he already wrote about it. <laughs> it's about to be on the site. <laughs> so. Yeah, that was certainly a thing that happens. <laughs> My but, bad. Hey, I got to try the game out and yeah, it's, it is pretty cool for sure. <laughs> Nice. I know. Uh, I know. Potts is really uh, looking forward to that one as well. So, yeah, and I recommend anyone. Uh, I mean, it's it's got some issues, so just be be ready to be frustrated with some of the enemies and the combat. Um, is is bad. It's bad combat, but <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's really innovative, and just the way they do everything is uh, it's just a it's just a cool game. Uh, it's, so if you have a, if you have a chance, I would check it out and definitely be on the lookout for the second one. 
Most definitely. Um, so there was a, definitely a couple of games that I wanted to uh, that I wanted to touch on before we get into PlayStation stuff because, like, man, just trying to like juggle all of the different stuff that I saw there was like a challenge in and of itself. But there were sh- like there were definitely a few highlights that I think are worth uh, are worth yeah. talking about. I mean, Shane already touched on Battle Chef Brigade, which you know I honestly can't recommend highly enough. It was very clear that the game was in an early state. Um, and is probably a bit of a ways off before release, but um, just something to sort of keep on your radar and just sort of check out the development of. I mean, the art alone is just amazing, and conceptually, like, there's this very aha moment of when you realize, like, what the game is and how it works. Um, so I would definitely recommend people check out a, uh, a gameplay demonstration for it or the uh, the trailers. I've got a write-up with the trailer up on the site, so definitely check that out. I love those moments, man, when you when you figure a game out and it all clicks. Yeah, it's like, and, and that game, it's like, you know, so the game's basically separated into two portions, and the one half is, um, so so I'll, ju- I'll just briefly run through the demo. So it's like, you start out, and you're learning all these basic mechanics about how to uh, move about the world, and, you know, and then this cooking mini-game thing, which is essentially, like, you put ingredients into a pot, and they create these sort of, like, Tetris-like or, like, luminous-type uh, colored pieces that you have to create, like, a match three with, and then the more things you match three of, the better tasting your food is, right? Um... So then you're walking about this little town and you actually have to find a chef and then challenge him to a duel. And it essentially frames it as sort of like a chopped competition, if anybody listening watches Food Network, um, (laughs) where the judge presents an ingredient and says, make me the best dish you can with, you know, dragon's meat or something. So then you and your chef have five minutes. It's I think it's five minutes. Um, to make this dish. So you're standing at your kitchen station, but very much like chopped, you have to run to the kitchen to get your ingredients. So you actually exit the building and go into this like backyard, like forest area. And you start and you pull out these two chef's knives and you just start battling like creatures and plants and stuff to, to basically kill them and take ingredients from them. So if you kill a chicken, you get like, you know, chicken from it or if you go and you know find a certain plant you'll get like spices that you need or what have you so you're running around and you're battling all these things uh like as fast as you can because you're on the clock uh and you gather up all your ingredients and you run back to the kitchen um and start adding everything in and matching three and you know creating these dishes and stuff and in the demo um some of the mechanics weren't refined so it was just kind of a you know about dumping all the ingredients that you could in to make like the best dish or whatever um, but they said in later versions of the game, there's going to be like flavor profiles and certain like sauces that you make, and it's going to like influence the way that you interact with this mini game. Um, but conceptually, it's just so cool. Like, you know, you don't really see many like cooking themed games uh, come out, you know, with any sort of regularity. So that was super cool uh, to try. I highly recommend people check out that game. Um, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's all super like anime and stuff like it. it's just awesome. Um, I got a chance to play Dead Rising 4, um, and there's really not too much I can say about it. It basically is Dead Rising. Like, if you play Dead Rising 1, 2, or 3, it is very similar to those games, if not a little bit more over the top with the weapons and the exosuits and all this crazy shit. Um it was all just like really seamless. Like they took the timer out, but as you run around the world, you see like survivors in different situations. So you have to like, you know, break into a store to get somebody who's standing on top of a table or something. And, you know, there's just all these like 
there's really cool animations for each of the weapons. Like if you get a certain number of kills with any weapon, then you get this like uh, more flashy kill with that weapon or special move. Uh, so that was really cool. Uh, highly, highly enjoyed that. Um, um, as someone who didn't actually get to go play it, Egan, uh, I wouldn't mind just, just asking from, you know, someone who has. Yeah. Um, because what it seems like to me is that it uh, it carries a lot of the you know Dead Rising's try and true gameplay of hacking you know hacking away at zombies and with over the top weaponry and just like going blitz at with numerous amounts on screen, um, but like you know a couple with something so key as the timer being gone, I mean it, to me it seems like it'll be a very just different but still fun Dead Rising. Yeah. Uh, I- game. I think the the pressure that the clock puts on in the first game sort of, I mean, for me, it was a hindrance because it kind of, you know, softly told me like, oh, yeah, you're not going to be able to complete everything in this game. And my OCD was just not having that at all. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it seems so silly to me. Yeah, it, it's like it's very restrictive. But in this game, um, I think and again, I didn't play a final build of it, so I'm not sure if this is true or not. But uh, at least in the demo, a lot of the pressure came from the situations that would arise around me, like as I was walking around. So it's like right when I started out, like I, I have this huge like lightning axe that I'm just like hacking guys down with. And it feels great. And the combat's just awesome. You know, super visceral blood's going everywhere or what have you. Um, and then somewhere on my map, I see a name come up and someone starts screaming, but I see their health slowly deteriorating. So my instinct was, oh shit, I need to save that person. So now like my, you know, my, uh, motivation has completely shifted from just killing things to, I need to go save this person really quickly. So I go run over and I, you know, kill all the people around them and I save that person and they go off and do their thing. Uh, Then I get a mission, like somebody calls me on a radio and says, oh, hey, go over to this place. We need you here or whatever. So I'm like, okay. So I start walking that way. And then another person pops up and I'm like, oh, shit, I got to go save them. So I think it's this sort of like moment to moment, um, like, you know, small objective based stuff. Like there was obviously one main mission that I was heading towards, but all these little situations would crop up on my way there, which uh, kind of like reinvigorated my like sense of purpose, you know? Um, Right. Yes, yeah, so and I, uh, yeah, I played the third one all the way through, and all intents and purposes, like there was no clock in that game either. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There was some form of it I can't even remember, but you were pretty much left to your own devices, and that, I think that's the way it should be in this kind of like sandbox, like do whatever you want, wacky game. Like putting a time limit on that just it feels so wrong. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. Like, especially a game that like rewards you for experimenting with different weapons and trying different stuff out. Like, you know, you you want to have as much freedom to do that as possible. But you know, if it restricts you by saying, "Oh, you can only do this for a few more hours," you're going to be less likely to say, "Like, hmm, I wonder if I can put this dynamite on this shovel or something." You yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. Um. And yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, overall, that was really fun. I uh, really enjoyed that. There was some other AAA, uh, AAA stuff I played. Uh, Shane and I and Ben played uh, Horizon Zero Dawn for a second. Um, yeah. Which, for... Like, I don't want to make this sound underwhelming, because it was definitely great. Like, the, the demo was definitely great. But it was exactly what we saw for, um, for E3. And then mm-hmm. we actually only got to play an even smaller section within that E3 demo. Um... 
and really nothing surprised me about it. It was sort of exactly what I expected, which is to say yeah. a really nice looking good third person action game. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I walked into the booth expecting to see something a little bit more from Horizon and didn't. So that's where it was a little bit underwhelming. But uh, right. it doesn't does not take away from the fact that we were just underwhelmed because this amazing game we've seen, we've you know, we're not seeing anything different from it's just more of it. Yeah, I, this is one of those instances where I'm afraid I'm just going to be overexposed because that game is kind of out there a lot. It's yeah. Talked about a lot. And and the thing is, is like I know you know what Shane and I are saying right now doesn't make it sound like whoa we're totally fucking blown <laughs> away like you know right but it, just by looking at a game like that you can expect what it is I think from my perspective and I'm sure Shane you probably feel the same way Alex you probably feel the same way too but it's like with something with a game like that it seems like most of my enjoyment is going to come out of like just having like my time with it you know what i mean right like yes. just give me a having fun. freedom yeah like give it give me a final build of the game where i can just sit down and just like let myself be lost in it for a little while and you know master the mechanics and stuff so like playing a demo while it's cool to you know have done it you know it's it's not the experience that i want out of it so i think no matter what they would have shown us even if it was a new demo it wouldn't have been enough you know what i mean it's true but like they could have struck like per se instead of restraining us to because uh the demo had um an invisible barrier around this small segment of the map very small very very uh, that would tell you to return to the main game or the demo would restart um if they removed that entirely if all they did was make it so that i could ride that dumb you know that big bowl um out anywhere i wanted and just have the time limit be like maybe shorter, like give me seven minutes. That yeah, gives me enough time to capture the bull, get on it, mount it, and ride out into some open space and feel less restricted at least. Yeah, I mean, within the time that, like really all the demo did was it put you in a very like small area that lets you run around, test out all of the weapons and stuff, catch one of those bulls and ride it. And that's really all it was. And before the demo was even half over, I managed to... Uh, capture like three of the bulls, test every single one of the weapons, like empty my like my entire res- like store of ammunition for all the weapons and kill everything. So, so like if it was open world, it'd be one of those situations like man beats Horizon Zero Dawn in seven minutes. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> like it was fast. Um, but again, yeah, cool. Like I don't want to shortchange the experience. It was definitely cool. I'm definitely glad that I played it. Um, I'm just. I'm, I'm thirsty for more, yeah. you know? Not to transition early, because I don't mean to. There's actually a little bit of packs to want to discuss about, but I do think the new footage that got shown at the PlayStation meeting was pretty cool. Yeah, we, um, we will definitely... That would have been a demo I would have been more excited to have seen and just been blown away by. Yeah, we'll definitely touch on that once we get to that stuff, which we will mm-hmm. very shortly. There's just a few more games that I want to make shout-outs to, because I'm, like, still super excited about them. Yeah. Um, so first, uh, probably my favorite game that I saw in the entirety of PAX, now that I've had a chance to like sit back and sort of reflect on it, um, was a title called Secret Legend. Uh, I learned that Secret Legend will not be the final name of the game because the developers were like, they were like, yeah, we're probably going to change the name. And I was like, oh, why? And they're like, isn't it obvious that's the most generic name that anyone's ever heard for a game? It's a it's a bad name. It's a, it's a terrible <laughs> name, yeah. But uh, that's a placeholder name. Yeah, and and I think that's very much what it was. What the game actually is, though, is a um, 
it's a top-down Zelda-style game, but you play as this really cute fox, and your motivations are really kind of, like, abstract. Like, I played this probably the longest uh, demo that I've played at PAX in its entirety, um, but it was really, really awesome. It basically just drops you on this island, and it's just, like, figure it out. So, like, as you walk around, it almost had, like, a Dark Souls feeling to it, where it's, like, I would walk in one direction and be like, oh, wait, there's enemies there that I can't deal with because I don't have a weapon yet, so let me not go that way. And then I walked somewhere else, and I was like, oh, now I, I found it. Yeah, it's like, oh, now I found a stick, so I can go back there and kill those things. Oh, wait, but there's bushes, and I can't chop the bushes down because I'm just swinging a stick, so let me keep exploring. And it's just, like, this slow kind of, like, unfolding process like it was a very like slow burn but um ext- like an organic metroidvania yeah kind of extremely extremely like like calming and rewarding feeling and actually like probably the reason why i loved it so much and i'm starting to realize a trend in in my taste for games is that the music was so freaking good like when i'm talking the most like calming just like you know ambient happy music that i've like ever heard it was like some weird cross between like hyrule field and like basically anything from Hyperlight drifter it was just very like you know ethereal and just like great those things definitely become more important for me you know you know as we approach our twilight years oh, uh, yeah. you, know, you really start to uh appreciate the little things no definitely uh it was actually funny like during the demo i actually took the headphones off and i pulled the dev aside and i was like i was like is this ost like done like can i buy it from you right now <laughs> and he was just like no we can't do that yet but a uh, huge shout outs to that of anything check out the art i'll have an article going up for it later this week definitely definitely keep an eye out for that game um sort of in a similar vein i actually feel bad mentioning these two right next to each other um i was you know what so i won't another game that i played there <laughs> that was really good is called red out Red Out is actually just fully released on Steam, like, just the same week as PAX, and it is fucking awesome. This, it is a incredibly fast-paced anti-gravity racer, extremely, extremely in the vein of F-Zero and Ooh, Wipeout. I'm looking at it. And it is amazing. It is beautiful and fast and just, like, one. Of, it's, like, very low-poly uh, ships, but the environments are freaking gorgeous runs at a solid like i've been playing it for the last few days and i will have a review coming up for it shortly um incredible graphics awesome awesome gameplay it's a shame that other companies aren't doing more games like this you know clearly sony and nintendo have forgotten you know these beloved franchises in the genre and i'm really really happy to see um i wish i could remember the name of the company i suck right now uh, oh, uh, 34 Big Things is the name of the company. Uh, huge shout-outs to them. Your game is freaking amazing. Love it, love it, love it. Um, I guess I guess there's a... <laughs> when you do a Google image search for Redout, I guess there's a porn called Redout. Oh. <laughs> That's like the, it's like the seventh image. I would say search Steam for Redout <laughs> if you want to look up more about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, warning. Um, okay, so then the last game, because uh, I know I've droned on for a bit here. Um, I'm not sure if any of you guys got a chance to play it, but this was also probably my top top two, top three games of PAX, was a game called Riverbond. Oh, oh yeah, I right. I didn't get a chance, but you were going nuts I was for at, it. I was at the booth with you, yeah. um, and I saw it, but I didn't, get the, I didn't get a chance to play it. Yeah, Riverbond is really, really interesting and awesome. Uh, when I first started talking to the dev for it, I believe his name was Jordan? We got shirts, right? We did get shirts for them. Yes, uh, shirts. 
The name was Martin Gauvru. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Martin. It was a pleasure, pleasure talking to you. If you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, um, Riverbond is a uh, an isometric Zelda style game, right? But uh, but it's not Zelda. Okay, so it looks like it because you're a little guy with a sword and stuff. But the way that the game is structured and the way that it was described to me was a cross between Bastion and Castle Crashers. So mm. Bastion is the first direct inspiration. Uh, also, the game's all voxels, so it's like this old, like kind of new school but old school 8-bit style. Um, and it's essentially about the main character's journey between death and the afterlife, right? Um, and it's apparently an allegory for sort of like the, the transition of, of games and how people play games and all this sort of stuff, which is really fascinating to me. Um, but essentially you play this character, the whole game was designed to be single player and, uh, you basically progress through this world. It's like you have your hub world, like Bastion's Bastion, right? Uh, which is this town and you get objectives from people within the town that say, Hey, can you go to this location and save my pig or whatever? Uh, and you can, and you go and you do this thing, but then as you progress through the game, you start to get new abilities. So when you go to these different like sections of the world, you can like, you know, one time you might've bombed, so you can blow down, you know, a wall in a cave and find something behind that. Um, and get like little upgrades for yourself and stuff like that. Um, and then what's cool is that after that, they decided to fold in a multiplayer mechanic. So the whole game can be played with up to four players, very similar to something like Castle Crashers. Um, but it's not, um, like that's, it's just an option. It's not necessary to play with multiple characters and the game will scale, you know, with you, depending on how many characters you play with. It's also jump in, jump out co-op, which is awesome. Like at any time you could just like jump a character and it just works. Um, because instead of your character, like upgrading weapons over time or any sort of like light RPG mechanics, it's very much like something like, um, what you call it? Like, Castle Crash is where you'll pick up weapons as you go and things like that, um, which is awesome. I just, I really enjoyed my time with it. It's really fun. The controls are super tight. Um, super it come out? Super excited for that. Uh, I don't think he gave me a date. I think he still said in production, but it will be a simultaneous release across all consoles. Um, well, for sure, Xbox One, PS4, and, uh, and Steam. So, I'm not sure what it's status with wii u and you know otherwise is but uh i really really enjoyed that game highly highly recommend that to check out um honorable mentions would be something like super senso alex and i checked out super senso together uh, mm. which is a mobile title that plays very much in the vein of uh, advanced, advanced wars, wars. Yeah, and actually, when I got a chance to actually play it, like the uh, the conversation that we had may, might have gone on for a bit longer than it needed to, <laughs> but uh, when I actually got a chance to play the game, it felt really, really good. So I definitely look forward to at least playing more of yeah, that. So strictly mobile game, but they they tried to keep the focus just on that. Like they didn't want to branch out too much, and it looks like it could be a really fun, um, you know, like five to ten minute game if you know when you have a, a downtime. Yeah, uh, have some downtime. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I can't think of any others. Oh, Tojim and Earl. Tojim and Earl was really good. Um, basically very similar to Tojim and Earl 1, but like it's beautiful now. Their artist, uh, Nathan Shorts, is incredibly talented and put a lot of love into uh, recreating those characters. So, you know, be excited for that one too. And all of these titles, as well as the ones that, um, you know, Shane and Alex spoke of, either have or will have articles on the site. So be sure to check those out. They're all very, very cool. Um I don't know. PAX was just an awesome experience. Yeah, it was just too much. Yeah, There's just, still stuff just, I, I'd want to just keep talking about. But. Yeah, but we're so far into this podcast, and guys, I need to I need to air myself out right now from this freaking PlayStation conference. Yeah, today was a weird day um, for conferences. Yeah, today yeah, was... Yeah, it was. Yeah, so... Uh, what let's, else? Just, let's stick with the facts real quick okay. before we dive into... Uh, our feelings, our feelings okay, of what happened. So, Alex, give us the rundown. Give us the factual facts of what happened. <laughs> all right, let me, let me let's let's go through this chronologically. So, they took all of like six seconds to announce the slim because I think it was it was they already they kind of just acknowledged that it was it's been leaked. Everyone knows what it is. So, like, hey, totally unenthusiastic too. Yeah. Hey, the the uh, the slim, uh, it's a thing. It's 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 uh, it's coming. A couple days. Uh, so check that out. Uh, then they proceed to move on to the Neo and, you know, everyone's, we're all pumped. Everyone's expecting like, you know, Scorpio was announced more or less, and it's got this, this, and this. And there are rumors that, um, you know, that while not as powerful as the Scorpio, the Neo is, I mean, what else could it be? It's, it's going, it's like a generation 1.5 or I guess, you know, 4.5 console, um, and it should compete in some capacity with that because otherwise, like, what's, you know, what's the point, you know, yeah. um, what's the point? So, yeah, so this thing comes out and it's just, it's just a, it's a weird conference, but before we get into like my opinion on it, it's, it's really just a, to me, it's kind of just like an Xbox one S it's yeah, and I, a very mild upgrade. Yeah. I don't even think that that's like, you know, doing it any sort of injustice. I mean, functionality wise, like what the console actually does is it, you know, it's like you said, it just folds in HDR, which is, you and know, 4k. Yeah. It, it, it's like, four. yeah. It, well, I mean, it, no, I it mean, doesn't do the... native 4k. It just can display 4k like images on a 4k TV. Um, mm. And then there's this like pro feature that's supposed to make games look a little bit better on um, even on old, you know, normal they were, HDTVs. They just did a really bad job of explaining this. Like I literally just watched this a couple hours ago well, and I'm still unsure. I mean, I feel like that's par for the course, though. I mean, we've all sort of known about like there has not been more rumors about a console than this fucking console. Right. right. And like. You know, everything that we've heard about it has just came off even beforehand as very confusing, very, like, unimpressive, you know, just like, you know, how are they going to do this? How are they going to not segregate their audience? You know, how are they going to convince us that this is a worthwhile upgrade? But this is Sony, you know, like, they always somehow come through and make Microsoft look like the idiot like they uh, yeah i mean that that's been the case for the last while but i think this is the first time that they like very seriously messed this up i mean wh- like i think i think what's funny is like you know on the comment of uh the xbox one s if you think back to the e3 conference where the xbox one s was announced they took maybe what like five minutes to describe what it was like what the one s was 
And mm-hmm. and they took 45 minutes to try to convince us why HDR and all this stuff is necessary but for They did it in such a backwards ass way. Like they sort of gave us some loose facts and then there was literally like 20 minutes of them going game after game after game just like doing Here's ex- how it looks HD and here's how it looks like you know, which is, which is exactly the wrong thing to do, in my opinion, because it's basically saying, hey, look at your old console and how much shittier it looks compared to this one, which, by the way, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but it was yeah. incredibly difficult for me to see how it was better in any yeah. way, shape or form well, at all. Mostly because that's, that's we're what all, I was going to say. Yeah, we're all watching this on fucking compressed 1080p <laughs> Twitch streams on either phones or, <laughs> you know, computer monitors. Right. So what they're telling us means nothing. It's not even landing with the audience, which I think was totally evident by the completely underwhelming response from the people there. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Well, I mean, to a degree. I would think that the people that would be the most impressed is the people sitting in that actual you know, right. business meeting. And uh, I don't know if it was underwhelmed or just people being quiet because it's a you know a, like a business meeting this time around rather than an E3 conference with public and everyone interspersed. But um, yeah, even still, um, it's, the, it's it just like yeah, it, it was it's a, you could it's very... a difficult way to present it. You could very clearly hear like a single person clapping, like, and he he waited for applause. You know, like they were built into his speech mm-hmm. um, for him to wait like and the see, get the reaction of the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, I mean, his the way he presented it, and this is a famous guy. I just I don't know his name. Like my Cerny. head. Yeah, um, he looked very uncomfortable up there. Like something was weird. Um, it just wasn't like a confident showing. You know, I think like, Cerny is just falls a... out. I think Cerny's just an awkward guy. Uh, I, you know, maybe, but like it was just it was a lot of variables that added to this very strange feeling conference. Um, I, I just wasn't sure what was really happening, and I was, I, I'm sure my expectations, I mean, I, they were clearly off, um, especially after the Scorpio like half reveal. Um, but I don't know. I'm I just. Yeah. I really I think, wanted it before this conference. Yeah, I think uh, the the primary thing. I mean, what I walked away from it was just more or less underwhelmed with everything. I I did. I don't. I did, I wasn't looking at it um, in the same light as you guys of thinking they've done uh, a lot of missteps. But I do definitely. I, I definitely just felt like, all right, there it is. I mean, we knew about all this shit quite a bit. <sighs> Uh, I just I don't know I don't know I, what I don't know what its purpose is you know, you know what? like uh, what like, is my purpose like I really tried to to think about this and I think unfortunately and maybe this is like kind of evident of Sony's marketing in general but I think what happened here is very similar to what happened with No Man's Sky where it's like you know yeah. people had this idea of what the PS Neo was going to be and and ostensibly we all built it up to be like you know this is going to be the competitor with Scorpio. This is the next big thing that that you know Sony's gonna Sony's gonna put out or whatever. And we basically just got a very comparable system well, to I, the Xbox One S. Like, and if I'm remembering correctly, n- rumors of Sony making like a half generational console started before Xbox, before it, Microsoft. Yeah, it did. So right. So we were all like ruminating on what 
PlayStation would do, and we're thinking like, oh man, this thing's gonna be like this baller system. And then and Microsoft, Xbox, yeah, Microsoft right. just throws it out like, yep, here it is. And then That's Microsoft all. just like boom, like just throws it out there like they just drop the mic. They're like, check this out. It's yeah. not real, but. It's not real yet, but well, it's no. this huge, badass console. But that was with Scorpio. What's, what's yes. astounding to me is that with the 1S, they were just like, oh, yeah, by the way, HDR, blah, 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 all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, we're doing like it. Away. Yeah, we're doing it, <laughs> and we're releasing it in two weeks. Like, and, and everyone was just like, oh, okay, because like those features aren't something to be like, holy shit. It's supposed to be like, oh, okay, if I have a 4K TV, sure, these my games are going to look better on it. That's fine. And meanwhile, at this PlayStation conference, they were like, the graphical fidelity that your eye perceives isn't fully captured oh, in 1080p. <laughs> and guy. it's like, bro, like, what you're saying is so fucking irrelevant to 90% of the people that are going to pick this up. And you're trying to, and you're basically doing your best to convince us that our current TV and PlayStation are inadequate, is, is so, essentially what you're telling us. And I just feel like it landed with nobody. Like, well, we talked about this a while ago. And, I thought a good route to go, and I really thought this was kind of how, or it was going to be wrapped into the messaging, like as a, a foundation, is VR. Like, yeah, we have this awesome thing coming out. Our current console, while it would work on it, isn't quite powerful enough to do like everything that we've imagined it to do. So we have this new console for those of you who really want it, uh, who want that 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 certain level of experience, uh, certain level of like graphical fidelity. Yeah. Um, and they literally said one sentence yeah, on VR they totally, the entire conference. They totally breezed past it. They were just like, oh, yeah, VR is going to have a nicer frame rate, too. And they're like, right. And they're like, and if devs showed, want to make it. Yeah. They did show some footage of Farpoint. Um, however, the thing is, uh, I know definitely with VR, I mean, the last time Sony tried to demonstrate VR on stage, that didn't go so well either. Um, yeah. So demonstrating VR is definitely hard. So I can see why they went with the decision to just like, you know, breeze past that one. But yeah, it, it's saying we, w that's something that should have been reinforced a lot more than what HDR is and how right. it will affect games. Yeah. And, and I think that's what created the, like the weird tone for the whole, for the whole conference was just that, you know, it was more of like a lesson in why we should care about this thing called HDR when it's like, you know. I know he like Webster definitioned us. Like, yeah, and <laughs> he like just, really broke it down, and then very like slowly goes into this process. And and what was comical to me is that through the whole thing, they're like, um, you know, they're like, oh HDR, this is why it's so awesome, this is why it's so great. And then immediately afterwards, they try to you know they try to play the whole field and are like, oh, but uh. But also, if you just have a normal HGTV, your experience will still be better. Oh, how will it be better? Um, they're going to do more graphical things, whatever that means. And it's just like, well, what? Like, okay. And then they're like, look at this days gone footage. Now look at it in up-res mode. And I'm just like, what happened? Like, I didn't know if it changed. Yeah. I, I, I honestly didn't made. either. I honestly didn't either. I was just like, what is going on here? Oh. Maybe. Well, on the, they should not have had the camera panned, or, or did they even? You know what? Yeah, no. There was just you couldn't. There was no visible difference on our streams. Yeah. To be able to actually identify the improvements, there be it, of these games right. and what this thing has to offer. Yeah. Um, it, it's just like it's a console that when I really try to look at its like fundamental changes, I I I can't 
figure out who the market that this serves is. Because, I mean, even for the person who's, like, super high-tech and has their 4K TV and all this sort of stuff, like they probably already have a 1S or they're looking forward to the next quantum leap in gaming, which is probably going right. to be, you know, the Scorpio or what have you. Or if they're so concerned with graphics, they probably just own a PC and are perfectly content with what they already have. You, you know, it's like... I, but And also... I think... I mean, the, the, well, go, go ahead, God. I was going to say, I think the biggest problem, one of the biggest problems is not only are we seeing such incremental, incremental like... Um, improvements uh because of the fact that it's just saying you know here's 4k that you can't see on your 1080p mm-hmm. monitors at home and right. here's hdr which you can't see the effects of uh, unless you're it's like now let's turn on hdr and their monitor just blazes up with like a bunch of vibrant colors and okay oh what did that change um but what i think we will potentially see going forward is that boost in the gpu um because it is a, a fair amount like significantly more powerful than the past one, it's up to developers to be able to take advantage of that and whether they do or don't. I, I guarantee um, like once it comes out, like like November, you know, 7th, like a few days beforehand or whatever, we're going to get the Digital Foundry video of them like opening all the menus and seeing that they save 0.25 seconds on every loading screen oh, that's out there. For sure. And I mean, that's going to be the CPU boost. Yeah. But I, I'm... I'm, I'm thinking i'm i'm not trying to be apologetic of this thing it's um it it was super underwhelming for myself uh but i think that the biggest effects we will see are going to be down the line when we see the games developed more um like with this uh you know known and seen uh because what we're seeing is games that have just you know hit a resolution bump and games that have just implemented HDR, not games that are taking advantage of the extra processing power or you know graphical processing power to be able to do more intensive things. Yeah. It, so it's, so I, I just I think the biggest failings are one, the product seems to at least at this stage only really appeal to super high end you know, fixated people who own 4K TVs and also yeah. happen to be PlayStation fanboys. Like, that's that's the core market that I see in my mind. But then, like, even the supplementary market of, like, yeah, sure, if you, if you tell me that Horizon's going to run better on it, like, I'm interested in hearing how that's going to happen. But, like, I mean, they, they just I, didn't do a good job of teeing it up at all. Like, I'm not excited about this thing. If they were trying to lock no. in pre-orders, they failed miserably. And then I think uh, even... 100%. And I think even beyond that, like, just to add insult to injury, the the thing is ugly as shit. And I'm sorry that I'm yeah, on this... Yeah, like, that was one of my points. Like, I'm sorry I'm on this, like, ugly console thing with all this PlayStation stuff, but that is a fucking gross-looking console. Like... Yeah, it doesn't look good at all. It looks like a sandwich. It looks like a cheeseburger, and it's like twice the size of the normal PlayStation. So it's like, right? They slim down the original ones for the for the for the slim, and then they just beef it back up again with like this weird, yeah. uh, this weird look, like yeah. this stacking another layer on top. Yeah, of that thing. and that's the thing. Like the extra layer, like you know, even beyond like you know, it just not looking great 
in general, it's, it just comes off as very lazy to me. It's like if you were going to put the time into creating a totally fresh new console that you want people to be excited about, you don't just add another stack on top <laughs> of the thing. You know what I mean? Right. Give me something sleek. Give me something sexy. Again, you know... Xbox is killing it in this sense because the One S is a significantly better looking console. Like, everything about that console is better than the current Xbox One. Yeah, there, uh, there's one thing we didn't mention either. Like, uh, this this thing's going to cost you $399. Like, yeah. $400. For, me more. It will cost me more. Yeah, well, <laughs> it'll, it'll cost you in like Canada $600? more. $600? Uh, and, like, wow. and this thing... I don't we they didn't they weren't even that specific on like the meat and bones of the system. Um but it essentially does what an Xbox One does that's priced the two ninety nine. Yeah, no exactly. And I think that's why it's that's like a hard pill to swallow. Uh like okay. Uh, all, all all I'm gonna say is again, I think the the price factor definitely comes down to the specs within the machine, which I have no idea why they did not put these specs, the legitimate specifications on screen as they discussed yes. it. So totally. Yes. There was because just there wasn't regardless of what it actually is, this conference, like it they didn't justify that price to me. Exactly. Know? No, I totally, yeah. totally agree with you. Um and and I think of anything, it's made me more skeptical of what games are gonna look like going forward because when they're like, Oh yeah, we're gonna make sure that there's like, you know, a pro mode in first party titles and we're gonna like retroactively make these other games look better. In my mind, what that tells me is Okay, so you've just made the development process for every one of your first-party developers more annoying than it was before. So now, you know, they have to be all worried about creating these two very similar but apparently different experiences for pro and for non-pro PS4 users. So, you know, even, even if that makes the process for any developer to put a game on PS4 a little bit more annoying, I think that's going to make it way less appealing of a console for people to to publish on. You know what I mean? Like, which is totally shooting themselves in the foot because the reason why people own a PS4 right now is because it has all the games. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like... I can honestly say, uh, before going into this conference, uh, in fact, months ago when this thing was first leaked, rumored, etc., yep. uh, my, my initial reaction was, oh no... What am I going to do with my old PS4? Because yeah. I'm totally going to upgrade because right, I need exactly. the latest thing. Totally. Now, having watched this, I'm I walked away going, well, I'm very content with my 1080p gaming. Because, yeah. You guys enjoy your 4K, dude. So I, I guess the the oh. slim irrelevant. It's like here's the slim. Forget about that. Like that's exactly what you have already. Like nothing impressive there. I, now I, we move on to like this marginal upgrade. Yeah, I think the the slim. Well, that is what I expected from the slim. I feel like the slim is just like that's what the new PS4 is. Like like the old actually cool looking PS4 fuck that. That doesn't even exist anymore. It's just the slim and the stupid pro that's thing. That's what that's what the Xbox One S is too, isn't it? Yeah, which is Well, I mean that's what any incremental like like that's what the PS3 slim and super slim was. That's true. Yeah, but and the, Xbox iterations. The slim doesn't compare to the S. The slim compares to the Pro, the PS4 Pro. Yeah. 
But it, but the, I think that's you know you make a good point there where it's like the marginal upgrade like the standard console the console that got a price cut on Microsoft's side is yep. exactly or at least ostensibly it's, exactly what the fucking Pro is for PS4 you know no that's but that's the thing like it has all the features that that it does it has HDR capability it has 4K output but the box that you are buying. The PS4 Pro is significantly more powerful than the PS4 original. And on top of that, the Xbox One Slim, because the Xbox One Slim is already less powerful than the PS4 original. Yeah, so it's just. I think they just have to. Pr- they didn't prove that. Yeah, that that's the point that I'm getting at. Like, I, I don't doubt I, that you're wrong. And I think that would have been remedied if. Uh, if they I would mean, have put the specs up on the screen. <laughs> no, no, like, like Shane said, like if they would have... I don't put... think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I knew, I knew, I knew. If, okay, okay. if they put the specifications on the screen, I think that would have helped articulate that way more. I mean, uh, actually, let me try to find... Um... It's, I'm looking at it right now. I'm looking at there the are... NeoGAF thread with the specs. They have leaks. They had leaked specs that we, we had it on our site, actually. They have uh, leaked specs that match yeah. the new specs. That and they so changed. those... But but so here's here's the joke, right? So during that conference, and I think this is just kind of hilarious, uh, Xbox Xbox's official Twitter posted a uh, they posted a tweet that said 4K streaming in Blu-ray check, HDR gaming check, 40% smaller check, Xbox One S 299. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's yeah. ridiculous. Like it's it's ridiculous that ostensibly everything you know maybe it's maybe it's you know, true or not true, or whatever the case may be, but ostensibly, the value that they articulated during that conference is already being satisfied on a cheaper, nicer-looking console. <laughs> like, well, they should not have focused on certain features. Agreed. Like, again, yeah. HDR focusing on that for so long was a misstep, mostly because like the PS4 original is getting a firmware update to support right. HDR, so it's not even a fucking feature <laughs> yeah. of the Pro. That's so like talking about the I- iOS, like at the at the iPhone stuff, where they talk about the iOS shit, like, and that's just gonna be that's gonna be on all your devices. Like, that's not yeah new to the new hardware. So and, yeah, talking about focusing on HDR was a bad move. They should have been focusing on this thing is a fucking beast. This yeah. thing right. runs like crazy smooth. You remember you know, this game that plays in 30 frames per second? Well, bam, look at it running 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what people want to hear. But no, you, know, exactly. you know what's funny, too, and it's being reported all over the place right now, the PS4 Pro uh, won't feature a 4K Blu-ray drive. Yep. I, Which I is so weird. Yeah, it's like the <laughs> dumbest thing. Well, because it doesn't want a native output 4K. And I think because if it did, it would be way more expensive than 400 bucks. I'm pretty sure it would be, you know, close to 500 so, if they had to well, have native 4K. Yeah. Here's the thing. Uh, I can, <laughs> Excuse me. Um, breaking it down to to numbers that that can be, you know, uh, consumed easily. Um, the PS4 Pro is now looking at like 4.2 teraflops for its GPU, um, where Durango. Or Durango, I'm sorry, Scorpio is <laughs> wow, is allegedly that. six, uh, yeah, six teraflops. So I think that's where it's more worth being scared. Uh, is like you know, Scorpio is going to be far more powerful than the PS4 Pro is, uh, going by what specifications Microsoft said in the last minute Shane, of its press conference. Of I have I have a task for you as not oh, yeah? your boss. As not your boss, um, 
I think you should write a comparison piece, like putting those specs next to each other. Because I know, like, I've seen them both separately. Um, but I think that'd be interesting. It's, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just so weird. Like, I just can't. It doesn't make sense to me that even if Sony knew that something like Scorpio was coming along, like, why even release this console? You know, I, I think the firmware update totally rings the truest here. It's like, okay, if you're going to roll that functionality in anyway for free for the 40 million users that you already have, why not just like? take a year off like just wait one more year and release something that's actually going to blow us away you know what i mean rather than get this whimper of like a pity you know applause at the end of a show you know what i mean i think part of my like kind of disappointment slash kind of like hollowness feeling i felt like during this conference is that I've been waiting for this for a while you know like i I got i built it up and sure maybe it's misplaced maybe it's not but like now there's nothing there's no rumors on the next like big playstation thing like i there's nothing coming next like they haven't talked about anything next and i don't know it just feels like like a deflated balloon like yeah i was excited and i kind of built it up for like this brand new thing that i could get that would work with my vr that would be kind of like this nice upgrade and maybe this is i I was gonna say i think the worst part is it is it still could be but today's presentation was one of the biggest it's sony seemed to have had things down like e3's presentation it seemed like they were in the know they knew how to present it felt natural felt good but somehow they failed at at allocating their time properly to what mattered yeah I, if I can quote myself in an article that I'm publishing right now, I said it, it left us all a bit confused, unimpressed, but most of all disappointed. And I, I think I was like flabbergasted. I just didn't know what I was watching. I didn't know how to react. It was yeah. just, I'm like, gonna, weird. I'm gonna reel back just a little bit to kind of grasp at straws for the positive things in there. There's two main things I'm thinking about. A, the horizon footage we saw. It didn't matter whether it was running on PS4 Pro or not. Being able to see Horizon Zero Dawn in that big open landscape and climbing that Brontosaurus-like thing, very cool. That was cool. And um, then the uh, the Mass Effect Andromeda footage? Absolutely, I, yeah. I, I, I don't say none of that stuff really resonated with me. Like, I wasn't there for the gameplay stuff while it was cool. Like, I don't know. But that's the, just me. The, but. Uh, the Mass Effect Andromeda stuff I thought was... Uh, exciting that it was there. I mean, what they were actually showing wasn't too crazy, but... Uh, no, but I mean, they finally showed that freaking game. It's been two years at E3 showing beta footage. Like, uh, give me a break. Yeah. I need to see the game. So at least they delivered on that. At least they're front. walking now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. All right, so final thoughts. I think we're all sort of <laughs> a little unenthused and or rather just yeah. unimpressed yeah, with, what, uh, with what Sony... I'm kind of just sh- shocked at how the, you're, the, you're a little shocked. I'm a, yes, I'm a little shocked, <laughs> like about just every. I mean, even the name, yeah. like, just kind of tells me kind of how they. They were like, "Who does upgrades good?" Oh, Apple does. Oh, yeah, let's make a Pro device. There you go, MacBook Pro. How about the PS4 Pro? Yeah. It was a, just a weird kind of surreal conference for me where just everything seemed to go wrong just from the speakers to the content to like the price. I just it, it was hit me from all angles. Yeah. I didn't know what to do. 
Well, it was weird. I would say listeners, you know, just just wait and be observant for the fallout that we're going to see over the next few days because, my God, <laughs> I'm sure the Internet's going to have something to say about uh, about what happened here today. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to let you all go. Thank you so much for joining us on episode of 20... Or, I'm sorry. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us on episode 44 of the TZR podcast. Yeah. Uh, you can be sure to download our podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or wherever you like. We post our podcast every week, Wednesday at 10 p.m. Oh, also, for those that are listening, I am so sorry that we did not publish any video content this weekend. Uh, PAX kind of took over our whole lives, and that was right in the heart of it. I absolutely do have episodes coming out this week. I will do my best to make up the two that we missed and just kind of like, you know, sprinkle those throughout uh, throughout the week as well. So look out for that. Uh, if you have any questions for the TZR uh, podcast, you can reach us at podcast at com. Send us any of your questions, any of your comments or any topic ideas. We'd be happy to read them here. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you so much, Shane, for joining me this evening. Thank you, Scarlett. And we'll see you on the next one. Peace. See you guys. Bye.